Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to episode 124 of the Google Teacher Podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And in today's episode, we're going to take a closer look at one of our favorite tools, Google Arts and Culture. So there is so much hidden in this little gem that we want to be sure that you know about it because we feel like there's a lot of things here that can also help us when we're doing these hybrid and online learning classes so we can engage our students and share some of this awesomeness. And of course, we've got a few Google news and updates and some feedback from our listeners. You ready to do this, Matt? I'm ready. Let's go. So to kick off our Google news and updates for today, we have a couple of new things in Google Meet that you may or may not have seen roll out already. One of them is one of these features that we've seen in some other video call platforms that we are finally, finally, finally getting in Google Meet, and that is the ability to virtually raise your hand to ask a question. So there's not a whole lot to this one. This um, you know, this basically gives you the little hand button, and whenever you click on it, then you're able to um, you know kind of like raise your hand to the person that is um, that is doing the presentation, and then you know the moderator is able to see all the raised hands and address them accordingly. You know if if you've seen this on other uh, video conferencing platforms, you probably get the idea behind it. So. Um, this is one that is on by default for your um, for your domain, so uh, should be out probably by the time that you um, by the time that you hear this. And if not, then it should be pretty quick, and this should be available to everyone, even if you don't have enterprise. So there's that, and then there's also another quick one that is kind of nice too. And that is to be able to accept knocks in bulk in Google Meet. So if you're familiar with Google Meet, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about right now. If you haven't used a whole bunch of Google Meet, what I just said probably sounds like some sort of foreign language. So um, remember, knocks are whenever somebody wants to join your call, and then you can either deny them or admit them. And if you have a whole bunch of students knocking all at the same time, you have like 20 people waiting, you would have to click that admit button, admit, 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 admit over and over and over again. So we're getting a admit all and deny all button. 
And so being able to do that is going to save you from having to click that button over and over and over again. So a couple of nice little tweaks that they're making to Google Meet to make our lives just a little bit easier. Gotta love those tweaks. It's usually when we get a feature that we've been asking for that we suddenly realize, "Mm, be careful what you ask for, right? So when we want the ability for kids to be able to join, we didn't realize we were going to get knocked all over the place and have to (laughs) admit them individually, which is a big pain. So um, yeah, those, those little tweaks definitely help us out. I am going to share with you a couple of pretty big announcements that have happened since the last time we recorded. First of all, Tour Creator is going away. So Google has said goodbye to Tour Creator, which is basically how students could create their own Google Expeditions. Which takes us to our second announcement, which is the fact that Expeditions is now moving into Google Arts and Culture and thus our topic for today. So Google Arts and Culture, it it makes sense, the connection there. You know, there's so much overlap between a lot of the programs that Google offers between arts and culture and Google Earth and all of those different pieces, maps and street view there, you know, they have a lot of overlap. And so it makes sense that some of that would be there. And a lot of the 360 was already in Google Arts and Culture. So what they're doing is they're just kind of backtracking expeditions a little bit. Uh, I'm sad about Tour Creator. I'm sad about expeditions because the other thing we are losing is the apps, meaning putting them in a VR headset. And so basically the keyword blog from Google is letting us know that um, they're moving it over and that essentially those standalone apps, which allow us to put it into our phone and into Google Cardboard or whatever VR headset we choose, um, that's kind of going away. Now, their excuse has to do with 2020, of course, although I think this never took off on a grander scale just because it was too hard for schools to get their hands on the devices. Like it was a great idea in theory and very engaging, but to actually immerse students in VR requires a lot of equipment. And it wasn't something that was easy for schools to do. And teachers, you know, might might have a shared set. And I, I know it just, they didn't get used the way they could have. So I am disappointed, but um, I'm glad they're not completely doing away with expeditions, which is what I was worried about because I saw some posts about this. But when you dig a little bit closer, they're just kind of transitioning that 360 immersive um, imagery into arts and culture. So you'll still have the 360 option where you can click around, you know, go up, down, any direction, but you're not going to get that VR functionality. That's my understanding of it. So losing tour creator, moving expeditions into arts and culture, pretty simple little announcement that kind of went under the radar, I think. I think they didn't want to make this huge. And then a couple of the other technology online magazines and blogs started kind of hitting on it a little hard. They're shutting down these different things. But um, the cardboard was first introduced in in 2015, which kind of blows my mind. I'm thinking about this. And I remember all of this. I was so excited of where it was going to go. And now we're kind of letting it sunset a little bit. Yeah. And one of the things with Google that you learn pretty quickly is that you never know exactly what they're going to sunset and when they're going to. And 
you know, at least with this one, we still do have a version of it that's around. I'm thinking of like whenever I've done some of these things that you can do in VR, a lot of times I just poke around on them on my screen. So, I mean, the ability to still have a, a version of it just housed in a little bit different thing, I guess that's better than like, you know, the days when we, uh, some of us cried over losing Google Reader or whenever we lost Inbox and some of those other tools. I know I'm like bringing up old wounds for some of us talking about some of these products, but at least with this one, at least with this one, we've got some version of it, which is good. Oh, and by the way, just FYI, because I noticed this when I was working on the news and updates, they have officially changed the URL and no longer says G Suite updates. It says a workspace on it. So um, they have forwarded that at least for now. So yeah, then again, all of our links are going to break. Yay. Hooray for that. So speaking of links, by the way, if you want to get the links to any of these things we were talking about, uh, head on over to our show notes, which hopefully will not break for you at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 124. Let's take a deeper look at what's going on with Google Arts and Culture. You know, for a while, I felt like Google Arts and Culture made it into our news and updates section of like every episode. (laughs) Like there was always something going on with arts and culture. It kind of became a joke, but we love it. It's so cool and so amazing and high definition images and things that we can access. And it's it truly is full of art and culture for our students. Now, just in case you're new to this, Google Arts and Culture is a nonprofit initiative from Google, and they work with cultural institutions and artists around the world. And the mission is to preserve and bring the world's art and culture online so it's accessible to anyone, anywhere. And, you know, over the years, I think we've covered a lot of different things, how Google um maps and things like that were coming in and they use those special cameras. They're out on the desert. They're under the sea. They're doing those different things. Well, they do that inside museums as well so that you can virtually visit a museum. You know, these were things that Matt and I didn't get to do when we were in school. These were not things you could Mm -hmm. do. You had to physically uh, go places to see these types of things and to visit these historical sites and see all of the imagery. And sometimes it's like, you know, media, photographs, magazines, collections. There's all kinds of things that we can explore in here. And honestly, every time I visit this site, I'm I'm like going down another rabbit hole of something I didn't know existed. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly the same. And so, you know, as we talk about this, Casey and I were talking about how, you know, wide and deep this entire site is. Um, we'll talk about a handful of the things that we absolutely love. And there's probably a good chance that we won't cover something that you might absolutely love. So um, definitely do go and take a look at the site. You know, when you go to artsandculture.google.com, you have the little three lines menu button on the left. I've found that that's probably the easiest place to get to a lot of the things that they've got. And so, um, you know, you can start to see a variety of the different, um, you know, collections and themes. Uh, It's sorted by artists and mediums and art movements. So there's a variety of ways to sort all of the things that they have available. And I mean, it goes from, like Casey was saying earlier, high resolution images of paintings in museums 
to um, 3D videos, you know, so that you can click and move around as the video is going on, to um, interactive experiences and augmented reality, and I mean, on and on and on. And so as I started clicking through it, I'll just uh, I'll just own this one right here. I'm a little bit of a space nerd. Like I don't um, I don't have a huge huge depth of information about you know all of the shuttles and the capsules and all of that stuff. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I was on the uh, science academic team and we studied the Apollo missions then, and I think I was hooked right after that. So. Um, as I started flipping through, some of the space stuff started catching my attention. And one of the things that you can do is, I was mentioning augmented reality. Um, you can take a look at the Apollo 11 capsule in augmented reality. So you pull it up and it's got this um, interactive rendering of the capsule and you drag, click and drag left and right, up and down, and you can tilt it. Then you can zoom in on different parts of it so you can get like a really close look at what it actually looks like. Um, what's also cool is that if you're accessing it on a mobile device, you can interact with it in augmented reality. So you can actually take the Apollo 11 capsule and drop it in your living room or in your backyard and take pictures with it, which is kind of amazing. And so, of course, that's not just with the Apollo 11 capsule. That's with a wide variety of things that you can do. And then um, the other thing related to space that I thought was pretty cool was um, I started looking at these um, 360 degree videos and they've got a huge collection of these. And so what's neat about them is you can click play in this video. For instance, the, the one I was looking at says um, Inside Space Shuttle Discovery at the National Air and Space Museum. And um, so you're able to take a tour through this shuttle and get a good look inside of it. And it's really almost as if you're taking a tour while you're there because, you know, you think about it, you go to a museum, you take a tour, somebody is talking, but you can look up, down, left, right, wherever you want. And that's exactly the way that this video is. Of course, this actually may be a little bit better than the real life because you can <laughs> rewind back and rewatch something if you want to. But, um, you know, a lot of this stuff if you're in a uh, any sort of virtual learning environment, if you are, um, you know, doing fully online or remote, um, if you're doing hybrid, if you're doing a concurrent where you're, you know, face to face and remote, um, with any of those, just having these available and having students be able to pull them up or being able to share some of them over a video call or something. I mean, there's there's so many different ways that you can use all of this stuff. Yeah, I I love this. It it is really <laughs> kind of a rabbit hole to just start clicking around and looking at some things. Of course, we've got the classical museums and things that you can explore. I visited the Acropolis Museum, mm, which nice. is something I've always wanted to see in person. I've always wanted to go to Athens and to see everything and to have that at your fingertips. Now, some of these I have to say are a little clunky in how they navigate. I don't know if you were running into any of that, but um, there's different there's different types of information. So you've got your 360 photos, you've got your 360 videos, and then you've also got some things that were, I noticed, called stories. And they basically just explain through different pieces and artifacts that you'll find in here. So one was the art zoom story that I stumbled on. And over the years, this is something I've shared a lot. This is one of those things that gets the oohs and ahs when you present in front of a crowd. 
is to show how detailed you can get when you zoom in on these famous pieces of art. Um, you know, just the minute detail, the cracks in the paint, um, to be able to see things in a detail. Honestly, I don't think you could see if you were standing in front of it, unless you had a magnifying glass in your hand, to be able to to see things in such detail and to have an appreciation for different types of art. Obviously, the art is a huge piece of arts and culture. But as Matt mentioned, you know, the science museums, there are fashion museums, there are all kinds of little interactive things that students can do in these. So what you can do is you can search. I realize what we're talking about right now may not exactly fit your curriculum, but I think almost any teacher can do a little bit of digging and find some things that are applicable to what they're teaching, whether that's something around a time period or a historical event or even geography, exploring different places on earth, um, exploring different settings. You know, it might be a fictional piece that you're studying, but the setting might be um, something that is is real and exists to help students understand that. But I tell you, one of my favorite things are these experiments. So if you go to the three-line menu and you click on experiments, now keep in mind, anytime Google calls it an experiment, it is truly kind of experimental. It may or may not work Um, the way it's supposed to, but there's some really creative things in here that use the information in Google Arts and Culture. So um, I think the newest one that I have noticed is this um, play with arts and culture. And um, there are different puzzles that students can complete. There are, I think, some even some like crosswords and different things that they can bring in there. They can explore things by... um, the art selfie as well. So I think mm. we talked about that a few, uh, probably a couple of years ago when that came out. And I I think it's still not allowed in, in my state. It breaks a privacy policy, but you can take a selfie and it will try to find what piece of art you look like. <laughs> so there, there's some really fun ways to engage in this. There's even some mapping tools, um, coloring tools students can can create inside Google Arts and Culture with some of these experiments. But yeah, it's just really engaging and fun. So even though we're kind of hitting this point where we are possibly going back into some higher restricted schools, we're going to have to go back online, we've got to get creative. And we all know this engagement thing is very difficult in the online environment. So finding some of these tools that can engage students in new ways while helping educate them on arts and culture are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I started poking around in the experiments and there's some pretty neat ones in there. And I just happened to stumble upon one called Harry Potter, A History of Magic. And this one is a... um, It says, to mark the British Library's blockbuster sold-out exhibition called Harry Potter, A History of Magic, Um, they've created an augmented reality experience of this 400-year-old celestial globe that's too fragile to be moved or touched, but you can view it and spin it around in augmented reality and explore the constellations on the globe that inspired the names of great witches and wizards in Harry Potter. All of that is right within the ex- experiment. So I'm going to drop a link for that into the, um, into the show notes. If, um, if you want to go check that particular one out. So, 
Um, and then to follow up on something that Casey was talking about, she talked about the art selfie, which is, um, which is a pretty cool thing. Again, if you have access to it, if it's able to, to work where you are, um, now that's part of the Google arts and culture app. And I found that there are lots of other parts to these apps that really create some pretty neat augmented reality experiences. So um, I don't know if this is something where if students have their own devices, you do this. Um, it works for Android and iOS, you know, so Google or um, Apple. But if you've got mobile devices, some of these might be pretty fun. For instance, you have the art projector, um, which lets you see how artworks look in real size in front of you. So kind of like hanging a work of art up on the wall in your living room. Uh, you've got art transfer, lets you transform your photos with inspiration from renowned artists from Van Gogh to Kandinsky. So um, you know, you're able to uh, put those neat effects onto the pictures that you take. You've got art filter, try filters based on these iconic artifacts from all over the world. Um, and then there's also one called pocket gallery where you can view a whole bunch of galleries that they have um, curated in augmented reality. So that's another cool part of this too, is that um, they've got the, the app where you can do a whole bunch of other stuff. And of course, you know, augmented reality seems to work a lot better on mobile devices than it does on just like your standard Chromebook or laptop or something. So that's pretty cool. And then one other thing that I found that I thought was really neat is that um, Google Arts and Culture helps you get local too. So they have this feature called Nearby. And so you can find it in the little three lines on the Arts and Culture website. And if you click on Nearby and uh, you let it access your location, it's going to show you all of the collections that it has on Google Arts and Culture based on nearby like physical collections. For instance, you know, I live in Indiana, so I hit nearby and there's the Indianapolis Museum of Art and they have a Google Arts and Culture collection based on um, some of the stuff within their collection. So it's kind of cool to be able to do these Google Arts and Culture almost like virtual field trips based on places that are not that far away from you. So, you know, if you're not able to hop on a bus and go on a field trip, which, you know, <laughs> COVID's kind of put the kibosh on that for for a little while, um, we might be able to, to kind of recreate some of that a little bit um, within within Google Arts and Culture. So that's the nearby feature. And, um, you know, yet another one of those really cool things that you can find within this entire site. Now, if you're listening, you're like, okay, how in the world does this fit into my classroom? I want to be sure that everyone knows about applied digital skills. So there are free lesson plans online. I did an episode of the Shake Up Learning Show. I think it was like episode 87. Yeah, 87 on the um, Applied Digital Skills platform. And there's so much there. But these are ready-made lesson plans. And they're are several connected back to Google Arts and Culture that look pretty awesome. So you'll find Make Art inspired by Frida Kahlo, and it's a, like a pixel art and Google Sheets kind of thing. Make Your Own Space Shuttle Adventure, 
quiz your classmates about the Palace of Versailles, go on a scavenger hunt through Italy, explore the history of humankind in Kenya. All of those are there and they're ready to go. Teacher guides, you can assign it in Google Classroom. It's all built into that platform, Applied Digital Skills, which yes, I do wish it had a sexier name. <laughs> it's so boring. <laughs> but at the same time, um, even if one of those isn't exact, these are things you can take and tweak to fit what it is that you're teaching. So maybe Frida Kahlo isn't what you're studying, but you could do some pixel art inspired by the art you find there. Or, you know, the scavenger hunt through Italy. Maybe you're not studying Italy and you can do a scavenger hunt somewhere else. So lots of fun and exciting ways to engage your students in some Google Arts and Culture activities. Uh, of course, we've got links to everything in the show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 124. But we also want to hear what you're doing. What's working? What have you tried? Yeah, there's so much in here. And there's probably a good chance that you've touched on some of it. So if you have used any of this before, if you find some of it that you really like, and you have ideas for it, please do head on over to googleteacherpodcast.com and leave us a voice message. And we will pull in some of the some of the best ones that we found uh, so that we can hear what you're doing when it comes to Google Arts and Culture as well. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. It is mailbag time, and we have a question, a really good question that I honestly wish we had a better answer for, but we're going we're gonna to take it on uh, today from Marcel in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And Marcel says, I have been a longtime listener, and I'm wondering if there is a site that you know of that we can share G Suite materials. I put a lot of time to make some good stuff, and I'm sure other teachers have as well. You may have mentioned a site on one of your previous podcasts, but for the life of me, I can't find it. <laughs> Marcel says, I've re-listened to so many podcasts. Some are almost better the second time. That's so sweet. We appreciate that. So yeah, that's a that's a really, really good question. I know that a lot of us have done exactly what Marcel mentions, that um, we've created these materials, we you know, have, have gotten them so that they're ready to go for our students. And if there were ways to share them with other people, then we would be willing to do it. That is one of the beauties, I think, of our profession as educators. We're generally such, you know, giving people that are willing to, you know, share what works with everyone. And so... Um, I can't, Casey and I were talking about this a little bit off air. Um, I can't think of a specific individual place. I think several people have tried to create something kind of like this, but, um, you know, no one particular place has really, really caught fire. Um, so I'll just give you a handful of, um, ideas that come off the top of my head. I know, you know, one easy one is to, to say, uh, that you could share them online, uh, on social media. So, you know, Twitter has been a big place for me, um, you know, using hashtags like Google EDU and G Suite EDU, although that may be changing with the name of, <laughs> of G Suite changing for education eventually. Um, but any of those places, I think, have been um, good places for us to be able to find things. And of course, whenever we have stuff and we want to share it with others, we could share it to those hashtags as well. Um, and of course, that goes for, um, you know, for instance, Facebook. I'm sure that you can find, you know, lots of good uh, Google user um, Facebook groups Um I bet Casey's probably got one that she can she can suggest for us uh, right away um, that uh, that that are a good place to be able to share those kinds of things. Um, 
And yeah, I, I think those are just a couple of the first places that, that come to mind for me is social media, just because it's been such a, a big part of my life. I do wish there was an easier way to to bring these resources together. So, so many teachers are willing to share freely, you know, that they're not just trying to put put it online to sell it. And, you know, I think the HyperDocs gals have done a good job with their yeah. give one, get one, but that's specific to HyperDocs, which I appreciate because I've tried a few times just to create some shared folders of things and it just becomes a hot mess and people move things who aren't supposed to move things. And so there's not really a good way to manage this from a free perspective, I think is really the problem. Um, even Amazon dabbled in creating kind of their own teachers paid teachers at one point. I think they may still be trying to do that, but um, where you could have things for free. And of course you can put things up for free on TPT if, if you so desire, but there is not a good one-stop shop. I think because it's not easy to create and manage and to have any kind of vetting, you know, like if I'm going to put something on my site, I don't, I don't want to just say, hey, this is great and send it out to a bunch of people unless I know for sure this is really good. So kind of having those two sides of things has complicated this as well. If somebody knows of something better that we're not mentioning, of course, please let us know. But I haven't seen like the perfect solution. I kind of wish Google would would do this um, to offer this somehow. You will notice if you do some searches in the support center, occasionally people share things in the um the community or in those those questions and answers kind of supporting things, but not necessarily lesson plans. So I think it also depends what kind of materials you're sharing, if they're like templates, if they're full lesson plans, you know, trying to share things by grade level and subject area and standard and state and country gets really complicated. But I think um, somebody out there can help us with the solution. Um, but please, y'all, um, let us know. Go to googleteacherpodcast.com and leave us a message and let us know if you have a good solution for this. Hey, y'all, let's jump into the blogs. We didn't jump into the mailbag this time, Matt. I think we're going to have oh, to jump sorry. into something. So we're going to jump, jump into right. the blogs now. And um, I am still talking about all things blended learning with Google at the moment. So I've had, um, at the point of this recording, two parts. There will be three by the time you hear this, uh, a three-part podcast series on blended learning with Google. Part one is Do This, Not That, which you may have remembered a similar style post I did a couple of years ago kind of taking those old school lessons and spicing them up to make them more dynamic with Google tools. Part two is all about storytelling, which can happen in any classroom, grade level, subject area. Everybody has stories to tell and Google tools help us to do that. And uh, part three, which will be out really soon, um, will be all about the best resources and takeaways from my new book, Blended Learning with Google. So I hope to have that available soon. Just FYI, you can go to blendedlearningwithgoogle.com to get the latest information. I'm also going to have an early bird special. So those who purchase the book within the first two weeks will get a free training video full of my favorite Google tips and tricks. So you don't want to miss that. Um, dates will be announced soon. So be sure you join the waitlist at blendedlearningwithgoogle.com. Awesome. Yeah, those those uh those freebies sound like that, you know, that's definitely something worth checking out. So really looking forward to that. 
Um, speaking of books, uh, Casey and I didn't plan this together, but it has sort of come together like this. Um, I've got a Google related book coming out too. Um, I've got one that's called Do More with Google Classroom. This one's a little more focused specifically on that platform and what good teaching looks like within the confines of Google Classroom. So, um, that's planned to be coming out in mid December. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're interested in checking that out, then you can head over to my, uh, my website, ditchthattextbook.com and sign up for the email updates. That's where I'm going to be sharing a bunch of news when it comes to that. Um, you can, however, go, um, check out the companion site for the book where I'm going to be sharing lots of Google Classroom related resources totally for free, whether you get the book or not, that's going to be at googleclassroombook.com. So feel free to go check that out. And then one other quick announcement, my um, annual Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit is coming up. Uh, it's going to be this year from December 14th through January 8th which is four whole weeks that it's going to be available. Uh, there are going to be more than 60 video presentations uh, from all sorts of great presenters, including our very own Casey Bell, who has two presentations and two different summits that you can go check out. So, um, you know, all of those presentations also come with certificates of completion for professional development credit. It's all totally for free, free, free. So if you want to go check that out, you can head to ditchsummit.com to get registered. All right. So there you have it. Google Arts and Culture. It is deep. It is full. It has got all sorts of things to engage your students and get them these sort of like immersive experiences that they're really going to remember. So uh, do yourself a favor. Go to artsandculture.google.com and check it out and see what can work with your students because there is some really pretty cool stuff there. And if you haven't clicked that subscribe button, we would love it if you would subscribe to the show. If you share this with another teacher, any way that we can pass this on, this helps other teachers find and follow the podcast. We thank you so much for listening today, for sharing the reviews, and for always being part of our entire group here at the Google Teacher Podcast. We all learn together. Thank you for sharing. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of sharing, if you're interested in leaving us a voice message, we love to hear what you're doing. We love to hear your best tips. If you have any questions, we love to be able to feature your voice on the show too. So definitely go to googleteacherpodcast.com and leave us a voice message so we can hear from you. And that wraps it up for this one. So we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and by visiting our website, googleteacherpodcast.com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTPod. Until next time, keep harnessing that G Suite power and may the Googles be with you. Google Arts and Culture! Yay! Yay, Yay, Google Arts and Culture! Yay! Yay. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. 
And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.